Welcome to Crossing Over, a conversation where we are looking and listening with curiosity for God's presence in the stories of sacred scripture and in our own lives. I'm Daniel Lucas. And I'm Sarah Nichols. So today we're going to continue our conversation on the priestly blessing or the ironic blessing found in number six. We're going to be specifically talking about the first line of the blessing, may Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yeah, and looking at kind of the words, <clears throat> um, where they start, what sort of dimensions they have that might just be outside of how we think of um, the idea of blessing and keeping and guarding or whatever. So so join us today as we dig into some nerdy Hebrew and see what these words mean and their origins. Let's go. So priestly blessing. So priestly blessing. Yeah. Ironic blessing. Yes. Either way, both terms interchangeable. <clears throat> um, we really wanted to take some time on this blessing, specifically because there's a lot of words in here that are pretty central to um, some of the thematic things that are going on throughout Scripture. And we thought it would be important to actually look at these words because in a lot of ways, many of these words, we've we've redefined them over time and don't always understand what they meant in their more original context. And we want to try to dive into that and explore that a little bit more because we think it's helpful. Um, and I was thinking about this, that how the story begins kind of informs everything else. Right. And that is true both in the priestly blessing itself because we're at the beginning of the Israelite story as they're becoming a people. And, but it's also true of the very beginning of the story going all the way back to Genesis, which um, happens that these words bless and keep that are the primary things being blessed upon us in this blessing in the first verse are from the very beginning of the story. So it's fun to go back and see the origins of these words and how they develop throughout scripture to help us fully understand what God is putting upon us as he blesses us with this um, priestly blessing. Yeah, the, yeah. so um, as you're talking, I'm thinking <clears throat> how important it is to, um, to just to recognize that, I don't want to go too far and say like the distance we have when we come to Scripture, but you do sort of, you do sort of have to put on a different hat and recognize that you're like you're crossing from modern into this um, ancient way of looking at the world, where there's a lot of really important things that have shifted from 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 then till now. But I think one of the things we've lost is um, the ancients had a, a a divinely soaked worldview. the The way they yes. viewed the world was that the divine the one who made them is deeply present and involved um, in their lives, and you see that in you know most of the um, most of the traditions. You know, you dip into you know they're offering offer like local deities or you know pagan gods or whatever you want to call them. Like they offer offerings to get the rain to come and to get these things, and so they they they're bartering, but they understand the gods as being involved and in participating in their lives and. 
I don't, I don't necessarily want to put myself on other people and say like, well, how I see the world, but I have, I have to do a lot of movement still in my life to forget that God hasn't sent the world spinning and been like, good luck, peace out. Right. So the, so the things we have to do to get into reading this well, there's some, there's some, um, well, there's some some sh- some transforming or some shifting, yeah, on how we how we come to these these words and these ideas and con- putting them in the context of when they happened and all of that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Can I read the blessing? Just yes, to, yeah. So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "This is number uh, six twenty-two. So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak to Aaron." And his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. It's good. It is good. So where do you want to go? Um, I don't know. We could start with a real brief Hebrew lesson. Sure. Let's do um, it. One of the things that sets Hebrew apart from English is that every word has a three-letter root. Um, and so you can kind of trace words back to their root for their that helps us know how the, the foundation of the word. And so a word will grow out of that root. As like you, that. the word grows out of the root. Yeah, as you have the root, and that means one thing, and then out of that root will... Like there'll be a bunch of different branches that mean different things, but they're all kind of connected in some way back to that root. So we're going to see that a little bit today when we get into the word blessing, especially. Um, And because of that, it's really helpful that whenever you find a word in Hebrew to look back, not only at the root, but then also its first uses. Mm -hmm. Because where it's first used is going to help us help us better define what they're actually meaning with it. And then there's this cool thing that happens to some of the words as you go throughout Scripture, because as you move along the trajectory from Genesis along, the words kind of shift and take on more meaning at times, because that's how language works. It, it builds upon itself over time. But that's why we think it's helpful to go back to the beginning, because that gives us a good, healthy foundation to start from. Mm. Instead of, um, I think especially with the word blessing, we kind of put, it's really easy for us to put a 21st century mindset on blessing and the whole hashtag blessed movement that um, we think of blessed as having, you know, this happy, amazing life and all good things are happening to me. And I, well, we'll, we'll look into it, what? but I, I don't think that's exactly what's happening here. So. Uh, yeah. So one of the ways I think that is helpful to to talk about this is to think about like and I, either the world the word cool like the word cool can mean not warm right it's yep. the opposite of warm um, but also we use the word cool to describe people like you right <laughs> and me like wow look at these cool nerds um, but right we, so so you have this word that it. Flexes and how it's used over time, right? And it has this now, like I mean, it cool was you use the word cool was usable in the eighties. I don't know, I wasn't in the seventies, but but it so then 
you're like, but that doesn't mean the same thing. One means like, um, like a a person that people re- think is really aw- awesome or great or like right. um, popular, and you're like, well, these do, they can't be connected, but they all like they are. If you think about cool as being like, um, like nothing disturbs them they don't sweat you'll never see them sweat they main they keep their cool yeah you know fonzie i suppose right like you, you <laughs> cannot rattle them and then you start to recognize how the words actually build up upon each other right and that's or awesome right like awesome's like that's amazing but awe is in the word awesome and with the idea being it's supposed to create this moment in you yeah now we use it flippantly to just like to oh it's cool it's great it's whatever but words still do this today yes our words function this way yeah they do um so blessing blessing okay okay so um when we look at the word blessed we want to go back to the very first use of the word blessing and if you listen to us long enough you'll find that i don't know nine times out of ten <laughs> seems like a word goes back to Genesis 1 or 2. <laughs> I mean, you know. It's pretty common. Um, it's a great guess if someone asks you. You might be, you might nail it just out of luck. It's like the um, answer in Sunday school, like, just say Jesus. Jesus, yeah. It is, just say it, Genesis. Just say Genesis, <laughs> yeah. So the first use of the word bless in in the Hebrew scriptures is in Genesis one twenty two. Um it's after God has created the water life and um, the sea serpents and the ri- living beings that crawl about with the waters swarm after their kind and all the winged fowl. Um, and then we get this, and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters and the seas and let the fowl be many on the earth. Um, and that's the end of the fifth day. And then in the sixth day, after God creates humanity, we have the second use of blessing. And that's in verse 28 speaking of humanity, and that God blessed them and said to them, bear fruit and be many and fill the earth and subdue it, Um, have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the heavens and all the living things that crawl about upon the earth, Um, which we could do a whole study on the dominion and subdue and what those do and don't mean as well, but um, our focus is blessing today, so we won't, we won't take that rabbit trail. but essentially, those are the first um, the first two uses of blessing. Um, they're blessed in relation to being fruitful and multiplying. Um, that seems to be connected, um, which is a fun – if we go ba- farther back into Genesis, we see this definition of tov, which mm-hmm. is good. The word that gets translated is good. Um, and th- – the first, like when God declares something is good, it seems that it's regenerative in some kind of way. So it's producing what it's supposed to produce. Yeah, like the like its fruitfulness mm-hmm. is a um, is is a great way to understand what right. it means for something to be good. And fruit have seeds. Yep. And seeds contain the future, right? The, the future life within it, and so by nature. Um, Right, you have the piece of fruit in your hand, which is something else's fruit. Right, it it was grown, it was given life, it was tended, and then within itself, it too has the and like, man, what a what a, a potent image that we walk by every day, right, and we miss, yeah, and then even built within there the the super beautiful way in which 
<clears throat> you know, like a, <clears throat> a, a fruit gets devoured by a bird. The bird eats the fruit. Yeah. And they usually eat the seeds with it. And so they get carried away and then they get sort of deposited or planted by the bird. Mm -hmm. But it's usually, um, it's encoded, it's encased with... <laughs> within some helpful, um, some manure. It gets, it's just <laughs> yeah. like, it's such a beautiful, uh, and yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah. That's okay. I, um, I think because in both these uses of blessed in 22 and in 28, they're blessed and then said to bear fruit and multiply that that's what brings me to connect it to, um, Genesis one, is it 14? I think, yeah. um, where the fruit, the trees are declared good. Day three, day three, Genesis oh, day three. one, nine through yeah, 13. Okay, sorry. Yep. Um, yeah, 14 is lights in the sky. Um, so there's this connection of fruitfulness to goodness and to blessing that one of the, the first thing that we're, the first time blessing is put on us, it's in order so that we will do the thing that we were put on this earth to do. Which is... Right, and, it, and the, the words between how God blesses the creatures mm -hmm. and the humans are the same at the beginning, except the humans are told they're given sort of an additional layer right. of responsibility to behave in such a way to rule as sort of is over, over the creation. So they're supposed right. to be fruitful, multiply. So we are creatures, but we're creatures that are meant to... to, to, to well, I don't want to go too far ahead, but but there's a there's a thing that we're we're also told to do um, with the creation, and one of the things I think we have to do really quickly yep. is just recognize that um, the blessing, what it means to bless something, is embedded. We see it right here in action. Mm -hmm. It's not just that God blesses it hashtag right like, and yes, it is about increasing. Uh, this this is built into it, like this fruitfulness is built. This is the blessing, but the blessing is to give something trajectory, is to give something meaning, is to give something, and I it's to place a good thing that is very descriptive of what's good, true, available for the thing that's being blessed. Yes, I mean that's what, like at the end of Genesis, you read the Jacob Israel's blessings. He's describing them. Right. You will. You know. You'll be this. You will be this. Right. Yeah. Okay. Should we move on? End scene. Yes. End scene. Um, okay. So that's the first use. Um, the third use is quickly after that. Um, don't worry. We're not going to go through every use of the word blessing in scripture because we'd be here until, I don't know, May at least. <laughs> um, but is when God blesses the seventh day, which is interesting because at first he blesses what appears to be activity, like being fruitfulness and multiplication, and then he blesses rest um, because rest is regenerative in some kind of way. Um, I think that if nothing else, we should get that out of out of the okay, connection. Okay, hold on, but, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. Yeah. You, I you just said you just said because rest is regenerative, regenerative. Yep. And it just clicked for me, and maybe you made it abundantly clear, and I was not listening or I'm yep. thick, but you're saying blessing is about fruitfulness. Well, I don't know if it's strictly about that, but it's connected to it in some way. Okay. I think okay. based on the first uses of it, I think it's. No, I love that. I think that's great. 
I think that's true. And it, and it connects to what you were saying too, like how it, the, this, the, how blessing is used in scripture is, um, it's sort of at odds or it's perpendicular from how, uh, at least our culture currently talks about or imagines blessing. Mm -hmm. So blessing has fruitfulness embedded or as one of the sort of outcomes of it. Right. Mm. And it's meant for everyone. What do you mean? Well, it's all, I mean, God created humanity um, and blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Mm. It's not for, and we like to think of individuals in this story, but this is also about all of humanity. So it's not limited to just some people. This is a this is for all people. Yeah. So like I read this as a I read this in probably what is a like the technical term being like a myth or an identity story. Yes. Right. I don't mean myth as in it didn't happen, but I don't think there were a literal seven uh, solar mm-hmm. days. Agreed. I think there were. I think God created. I think there was order to how God created. The way Genesis talks about creation and ordering and all of that displays. Um, a way, an ordering of things, like what has to come first and all of that stuff. But I don't think we're seeing, um, I mean, you couldn't even see some of it. Like like a lot of these things we talk about that are in Genesis, you can't even see with the naked eye. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Genesis 1. Yeah. You can't write, like, let there be light, like, but that's not a light that you see by. <laughs> right. So, okay. So, um, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, I was. I would add. It's uh, Genesis one for me is. I think it's deeply theological. It's not concerned with science. Mm, So, um, mythological in the sense that it gets at something that's. It's trying to get to truth in a way that sometimes the actual story can't get to truth. Like and so that's not meaning it didn't happen. I, I don't. This is a complicated conversation. Well, no, it, it doesn't but, mean it didn't happen. It means it's it's like a parable. It's being told in a way yes. that helps show deep levels of theo- theological truth about God and how God is in the world and how He is with us. And that's the most important thing to pull out of Genesis 1, in, the, my, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. There's this okay. bit, uh, Ephraim the Syrian. I can't remember if I've said this on another recording, and if maybe it was one of our test podcasts, you know, we're trying to figure out how to do this. But I'm going to get it wrong, um, but I will put the quote in the... Um, but he basically says something to the effect of, don't be so dense as to think that because God uses terms that we use for our lives, that they can find God or that they describe God. But in right. fact, it's God's kindness and goodness to us that that condescends him or incarn- he incarnates within our, the infinite becomes finite, right? right. Uh, denominator of cosmic power. Like there's this way in which, there's this way in which these things are taking on, f- we give language to them, but the language is not, it's, it's so limited and inaccurate mm-hmm. when you pull it even, you know, when you try to stretch it too far. Right. Oh, there we are. We are a long way from from the shore. <laughs> okay. Should we go back? Yeah. Let's, Sorry. Let's rein ourselves Man. in a little bit. So oh, It's all my fault. Um, it's not. It's, it's really not. Um, 
Okay, so there's our first uses of blessing seem to have to do with creation and... Sorry, that was a long pause. Um, have to do with creation and have to do with our place in this world and our purpose in this world. Yeah. Um, which I, it makes it fascinating that then the third use is the day is a day, not not part of creation so much. I mean, it, days are part of creation, but a a p- piece of time is blessed. Mm-hmm. Instead of a, a object of a, a, an object or a thing, it's more of an idea. Yeah, you're getting into like the Heschel thing. I am a little bit, yeah. So um, Abraham Joshua Heschel, a rabbi from I don't know the mid 20th century, yeah. uh, marched with Dr. Martin Luther King and um, was very did a lot of work connecting. Um, with Christians, like he, 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 um, was very engaged in dialogue. His book on the Sabbath is, well, I actually have never finished it. Really? I've started, I've, I'm, it's, I, I read it slowly. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those books that I just, I read it as I digest it. And then the problem is I go back to it and I start at the beginning. So I've read like the first <laughs> 20, 30 pages, probably 20, 30 times. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Should we talk about the root? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We definitely need to talk about Do you want to run with that? So the yeah, so the root is um uh <laughs> betresh and then it's kaf, right? Mm-hmm. And uh <clears throat> it the, the root is it's knee. Yeah. The the root word for blessing is knee. And it's like cool. It, you know, it's it's unshakable. It doesn't you can't you don't see Fonzie sweat. Mm-hmm. It immediately tells you something about what it means to participate in blessing and knees allow us to kneel. Yeah. Yeah. So so in order to be blessed, you you gotta kneel. Yeah. It's it's a knighting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's you know, like, oh, that's what it, like, there's the modern or the... Uh, Semi-modern. <laughs> I, right, it's modern in that it's still done. Yeah, uh, if you're English, <laughs> maybe. But that's, you know, that's what we're yeah. looking at here. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody who has, has, power is a weird word these days, but somebody who has something, there's authority, there's power, they have something to give mm-hmm. um, upon which your knee bends and then you... Um, it can be placed upon you. Yeah. But it's interesting. Um, so I remember when we studying with Rabbi Alan Ullman and him giving us this image of, okay, what do you, what do you have to do to be knighted? Well, first you have to kneel like we're talking about, but what is that? Like, what are you doing when you kneel before a king or a queen who is holding a sword? Like you're putting yourself in such a vulnerable position they could lop off your head very easily when you're kneeled and knelt when you have knelt in front of someone with a giant sword. Um, yes. So to kneel, it requires trust in whoever's doing the blessing. And it requires vulnerability on the part of the person who is being blessed. Right. 
it's it's a tentative position. Right. You cannot run quickly. Yes. You cannot extricate yourself from <clears throat> the situation uh, in a in a quick in a quick fashion. <laughs> yeah. But at least in the when we think about knighting, which uh, granted. There's not knighting in that way back in the Hebrew, so we're a little bit digressing to help us understand this image in a way that makes sense to us. But at least in like the medieval idea of getting knighted, you are you're vulnerable before a king or queen that you must trust in order to do to kneel, and then you be the act of being knighted bestows a certain amount of power on you that you are meant to use in order to guard and protect the rest of the community it's not just a power that's for yourself to be like sweet i'm a knight and um and now i can run through towns and do whatever i want like that wasn't the purpose of it the purpose of it was to provide protection to the people and to the king or queen and um it was to benefit all yeah and then even like if we backtrack to what you know we observed with between the blessing between the creatures and and the humans Mm -hmm. They had a responsibility, right? Their resp- their blessing was a responsibility to the creatures, right? To 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 do- to dominate and subdue. Yeah. Again, we're, it doesn't mean what you think it means, or what doesn't mean what we probably think it means. And that is one of the things that. So while we're taking a medieval kind of idea to help us wrap our heads around this idea of kneeling and the connection of knee to blessing. Um, if you look through the Hebrew scriptures and follow the trajectory of blessing and what it means to be blessed, it's often followed by great responsibility. So when you want to claim hashtag blessed, right. <laughs> um, it's the blessing isn't all the things that you get. It's not the it's not the nice car and the nice house and the great kids and the beautiful wife or husband or whatever, all the things that look good in our culture. Mm-hmm. Those, that's not the blessing. The blessing happens first, and then it's followed by responsibility to bring goodness and fruitfulness to the world and to those around you. Right. Um, I mean, we need Uncle Ben here to remind us. Not Ben Kenobi. Uncle Ben from (laughs) Spider-Man. It's so interesting, right? Like how much truth comes out in in some of these beautiful stories that we have that we think are just pop culture, whatever. But there's, right? But what he tells Peter Parker is um, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. At least that's in the movie comic. Any comic book listeners will be like, right? Probably. And sorry, I just, I'm not a comic book reader. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Can I digress? Yeah. Let's go. Okay. So one of the things that, that bothered me. So I spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of time digging for this. And one of the things, and I don't have a conclusion here, but I, th- it's worth I think just putting out there. Um, I've got a couple resources that I use to help me quickly, like move into the patristics, the writings from the early church. And two of them come up completely bone dry. There are no comments on number six. It is a st- the the priestly blessing is is void from at, from at least these two resources, um, wow. which I just, I don't, I have no idea what it, I don't, I have no idea what it means, but that, that absolutely um, befuddled me because I think this is one of the most beautiful and important por- portions of scripture. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the first thing. The second thing is I was deeply fr- frustrated 
as I moved into reading like the rabbis on this, and then even like the midrash, the um, uh, oh come on, what's the the uh, midrash rabba, which is like the big you know collection of 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 writings and um, sort of teachings on the various, and they all come back to this one idea that this is a moment about material blessings. Mm-hmm. They all come back to this idea, and it, it just feels so dang close to hashtag blessed. Mm. <clears throat> and that that bothered me deeply. I was like, okay, I don't think this is about that, but everyone did. Uh, or the rabbis writing on this, they all connected this to material blessing. Interesting. And so I'm sitting with this, I'm struggling with it, I'm trying to figure out what what to make of it um, and how to not just discard it. Because, right, that's my tendency is to be like, oh, I don't like something, so then I discard it, which isn't a bad habit necessarily. Um, but I've learned to sit with it longer now. So I'm sitting with it, and it just like crystallizes really, really quickly for me. Where are they living when this happens, when this comes up for the first time? Number six? Yeah. In the wilderness. So they're still at Sinai. Right. They are, they've been at Sinai for a while. A year, I think a year will be the number we'll, we'll settle on. So the material blessings they're talking about are not the newest and latest and greatest the material blessings are about living. They're about like surviving. They're about um, moving forward into the future that God has for yeah. them. So it's so interesting to like recognize how deeply ma- materialism has affected who and how we are. And how even as I read these rabbis talking about this as material blessing, I'm I'm thinking material blessing 2023 for me in a Western developed right nation <laughs> and saying, well, that's not what it means. Well, yes, right. It's not what it means. So mm-hmm. I again have to move myself into the into the text and go, the blessings we're talking about here are the blessings for life. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, without going totally into all the places blessing are used, the next part, like, we start seeing a pattern of people getting blessed as we move forward in Genesis. Well, Noah is the first actual individual that's blessed in this way, and this is after the flood. So, there's, there is no material blessing at this point. There's just him and his family. Um, they're all that's supposed to have survived, and so... You don't have gold. You don't have resources. You're just trying to live. And then Abram is blessed. Um, and the whole purpose of Abram's blessing, I mean, he's being asked to leave everything. He's being asked to leave all the security of the physical blessings, material blessings, in order to be blessed some in some unknown place that he's going to be shown. And, and he does that. God tells him to do that in order that he will be a blessing to the rest of the world. This is Genesis 12. This is Genesis 12. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, right. God says, go to a land, I will show you, and and by doing this, you will be a blessing to all of the families of the earth. Right. And Ishmael is blessed as he's sent out from, right. from his home and his community and out to be a wanderer. Mm. So, there's not material blessing 
at least in the immediate aftermath of that. But God says, I will bless him um, as he goes out from this place. Um, so it doesn't seem to me that at least in the text <laughs> that there's any connection to material blessing. Right, right. Hmm. Yeah. But I do, I think that Abraham, um, Abram being blessed in order to be a blessing is a really good um, place for us to, to land a little bit, that the idea of God is blessing us so that we will bless others, that we will bless the world. So if we're not, that's one of the ways that we get to be the image of God in the world God puts his blessing on us so that we can be many versions of him blessing the rest of the world. And if we're not doing that, we're not living out the blessing. Right. Amen. Should we move to Shamar? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Shamar actually connects deeply to blessing. Absolutely. Uh, well, why do you say absolutely? You like you're ready to go. I thought you'd be like, tell me. You'd be like, what do you mean? Well, yeah, you tell me. No, more. no, I want to know no. what you think it. Come on. <laughs> well, surprisingly, Shamar goes back to Genesis as well. well winner, winner, chicken dinner. Winner, winner. Um, not Genesis one though, Genesis two. So the second creation narrative. Um, right. So okay, yeah. so God puts it's two fifteen, right? Yep. So uh, the Lord God took. The, the the Adam and put them in the garden, uh, put them in the garden of Eden to till and to keep it. Yeah. And so you got these two words that are huge words that were, I mean, you, you, you just, till is, is, uh, is work, yep. but work is worship, but worship is serve, um, can also end up meaning servant because the one who serves, and it can also mean slave. Yeah. And one of the places where you find this this word, this idea, really being um, wrestled with is in the the Exodus narrative, mm-hmm. especially in the first you know twelve chapters or so. It's because you it's brought up against the the worship, the service towards Pharaoh, and you have God and Pharaoh sort of. Um, there's a confrontation, yes. and the Hebrew word is a vet. Yeah. So I and uh, a bait and dalit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've got the, the the this root, but it has this flexible way in which it's work, worship, serve, servant, slave, and really it gets translated the various ways based on who it's aimed at. Um, if it's aimed at God, it's worship. If it's aimed at Pharaoh, it's it's slave. Realistically, Pharaoh's a god of in, in Egypt. Yeah, right. He's the son of of Ra. One of them. Yeah, gonna, my Egyptian uh, deities are not. It's been I'm a not long. thorough on that. <laughs> uh, but but he's he's son of one of the Egyptian gods, mm-hmm. and so it's really a conversation about worship, and 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 it translate lays over embellishes in our lives super, super well, because, you know, the question is, what are we worshiping? Who are you worshiping? Yeah. Um, anyway, so you got, so you got Aved, and then you got the next one, which is... Uh, Shamar. Shamar. Which is the same word we have in Numbers 624. So it gets translated as guard, watch, keep, tend. Um, what are some other... 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure. No. It's, I know those ones for sure. It's the it's what um it's what Cain's talking about when God says, "Where's your brother?" Mm-hmm. After he murders, and yeah. he says, "Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's guard? Am I my brother's protector? Right. Is it my responsibility to look out for the good, right. the wellness, the wholeness, the shalom of my brothers?" And which Joseph answers, "Yes." The, actually, the, the entire book of Genesis is about that question. Right. And among other things, there are multiple themes that run through. Genesis, but that is one of the primary things is answering the question, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is yes. Right. <laughs> yes, you are. Well, right. And like Joseph's older brothers are yeah. a, a type of Cain. Yeah. And Joseph is a type of Abel. And you mm-hmm. see Abel answering the question. Yeah. Yes. Which then, well, Christ is our Abel. Yeah. Christ is our Joseph, right? Who we've thrown, we've thrown God in the pit. And while maybe we don't deserve it, yeah. um, we are still shown love and gracious provision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shamar. So, so just as blessing is a central part to our, what we were created for, like we are blessed in order to do things, to be fruitful and multiply, um, here our first job that we're given is to work and guard the garden. Um, is that the first use of Shamar is 215? Yes. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I'm pretty positive. I think you're I think you're right. Um, okay. If you um, want to double check real quick, but Well, I'm only double checking it because okay. something uh, prof- like something occurred to me, something provocative, I think okay. is I think is the is the right term. So, um, usually the trajectory in scripture is humans imitate God. Yeah, and it, and, and I suppose there's a way to read read that as good and bad ways, but generally it's good, right? We wanna we wanna find ourselves inside the character of who mm-hmm. God is. Yes. But what do you do that the humans are the first ones to guard to keep, and now we have God doing what humans are 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 doing in number six. Oh, say more about well, right? About usually it would be like. Um, the, the, the logic of, of Shabbat is we rest because God rests. Yeah. I I see where you're going with this. I think, I think it all still lines up. Maybe this is where you're going because God is blessing them and keeping them so that they will do the same thing when they enter the promised land. Right. Yeah. Right. And... He's showing them the way. Right. We were, we don't know how to keep. Yeah. We don't know how to guard. We have not kept. We have not guarded well. And so God, like, like the, the, the divine merciful tutor comes along and says, listen, this was, this was, this was you. This was for you. You were the, you were to keep and you don't quite know how to do that. You're, um, you're, you're afraid. You, you don't think there's enough in the world or you're uncertain about your, um, your calling, your identity, who you are. You, you know, it's like, what's the problem with them being in Egypt? Like what you get to Exodus and it's like, well, what's the problem? The problem is they weren't supposed to be there. That was not where God had, had, had had them. Right. And so you have them forgetting their identity 
and you have this moment in numbers where they've been of they've been working on the worship part the the aved or the tilling or the working of you know they leave Egypt and they're mm-hmm. going to um, but then you also have this moment in numbers where this is being re restored to them yeah. that they're called to be keepers the lat I mean who's the last keeper before that we see in the the text uh, you know up until this point with the exception maybe of Moses I think you could say Moses is is he's he's a keeper yeah he's the current keeper. <laughs> But Joseph, right? Yeah, right. Joseph is is um, yeah, yeah, the one who keeps it well. Yeah. Um, so one of the should we talk about Shamar a little bit more? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So if if the first use of Shamar, which is the word for keep or watch or guard, um, is in the garden related to the garden, um. A good question to ask is, what does it mean to keep a garden? Hmm. And um, I am not a gardener by trade or by hobby, <laughs> um, but have talked to people who are and been in rooms teaching with people who are who have been able to give me greater insight into what it takes to keep a garden. And one of the primary things is that this isn't about simply guarding it. Like you could put up a fence to guard your garden so that rabbits don't eat your carrots and your leaves and things like that, and that people don't stomp on them and walk over them and trot on them. Um, and that would be guarding it, right? I'm keeping things out and protecting it from dangers. But there are dangers inside as well like weeds that can grow up. So if all I do is put a fence around it and stand outside and keep watch so that vermin don't get in, I'm actually not shamaring my garden. So guard doesn't get completely at it, right? There's also work I need to do. to, I need to take out the weeds. I need to make sure that it's watered. I need to do things because the point of the garden isn't just or the point of shamaring a garden isn't just to keep vermin out. It's also to promote flourishing in the garden so that the plants are growing and producing more fruit and abundance and being spread out and replanted in more places. It's about flourishing, Mm. not simply about guarding. For me, it feels very akin to parenting. Sure. That the idea is like, is there guarding involved in my kids? I mean, yeah, I put them in seatbelts when they're little. I make them wear their seatbelts now. Um, When they were little, I made them hold my hand in parking lots and things like that to guard them from the dangers of this world, among other things. But the idea of that wasn't just to keep them safe. It's also to promote flourishing for them. I want to see them grow into the best versions of who they were created to be. And that means, yes, protecting them from dangers, but also letting them learn to do that themselves Mm -hmm. and letting them grow and learn. And there's just a lot more to it than, you know, I mean, I need to feed and water my kids, make sure they're, they have enough fluids and they get the food that they need and that they get the protection that they need while under my care. But there's a whole nother like emotional and, spiritual and sociological level that goes into caring for my children so that they become flourishing human beings um, 
Whereas if I simply guarded them and protected them, like I could keep them in my house all the time and keep them safe, supposedly, but they wouldn't flourish. If you, if you don't, right, if you don't understand the end of, of keeping guarding, you might be inclined to make some mistakes that are actually in the face of, they're in opposition to what's being, what the goal or the end is. Right. So, right, the goal or the end is flourishing, but if you, but if you keep in guard in such a way that they cannot grow. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend who who is prolific, has a prolific green thumb in his basement under this like lamp. So last year he's like, I'm doing plants. And he gave he gave us like four, five tomato plants that I had I love tomatoes. I love like making a fresh BLT. I mean, I'm just, it's my favorite thing. I had more tomatoes than I knew what to do with. Yeah. Because these plants that he gave us, we transplant, like we transplanted. And then my wife's got a green thumb. And so everything just, I mean, it was like growing through fences. I mean, it was wild. I've never seen tomato plants like this. Tomato plants are usually fickle in my experience. And you're lucky if you get a few. So we just had this prolific, it was so fruitful for us. But when he transplanted his plants to his backyard, he got like nothing. Interesting. So so then we started talking about the soil. Yeah. Like what's his soil like versus what's our soil like? What what did we do to our soil that he hadn't done, right? He had he when he could had it controlled in his basement, it was but then when it went out into the real world, it it behaved it's it's just what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Like and he, now he has, I, w- I saw him the other day, he's got a whole new round of it and he planted early and it's like, he's already got tomatoes growing in his basement right now. He's got peppers. It's got jalapenos. It's, it's not in a greenhouse. It's just like under a lamp. It yeah. looks like, it looks like a little mini, what I imagine like a little mini drug thing looks like in somebody's <laughs> house, except the drugs are yummy tomatoes. Uh, <laughs> but there's this like anxiety when they go outside, where are they going to? How are they going to do this year? Right. Which is like exactly what's happening in Numbers 6. Which is exactly what's happening because they've been in the narrow place. Yeah. They've been in Egypt in the narrow place, not just being a physical thing or even Egyptians, but how they've imagined their life is too narrow for what God has for them. Yeah. They were living, they were, they, they were, they were definitely enslaved, definitely oppressed, but everyone in Egypt was definitely slave, definitely oppressed. I mean, not unlike our society today, right? Where we're all just... We're in so many ways asleep at the wheel. Wake us up. Um, uh, but it, and then I was thinking, I was thinking about what you were talking about with a garden. And I, I immediately went back to like the, the, um, the, the beginning of a garden, which brings us back to where we started talking about blessing, yeah. being fruitfulness. And what, what do you, what's the very first thing you have to do when you plant a garden? Well, I already gave it away in the word. You have to plant. Yeah. You have to bend down. You have to kneel. I've never seen anyone plant a seed uh, standing up. Mm-hmm. I suppose if it's on a table. Yeah. Okay. But, little trays, but right. Yeah. You have to. You have to do something counterintuitive. Why would you bury something if you wanted it to grow? Yeah. 
right? No, 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 no. That's not how you grow something. You don't grow it by covering it up. Yes, you do. And so you, right? And then it's, it's this whole, this whole thing. There are layers of being a people who bless, being people who guard, being people who are blessed, being people who are guarded, um, that are counterintuitive or paradoxical to how we imagine, or they're the opposite of what we want. We don't want to be buried. Right. It's dirty. It's dark. It's cold. It takes patience. You've got all of these real world things that are very tangible that are telling us what it's about. Right. I think of it, there's stages. And so when we, and this is the part of like Hebrew words have, they tend to mean more than one thing, which is often true in English words as well. So I'm not diminishing that, but we know all the multi-varied levels of an English word, and we don't always know that with the Hebrew, and because we're relying upon the translation. So when an author, a translator chooses a word keep or guard or watch, it gives us only one dimension of what's going on here and what we're supposed to be doing. Um, and it can be limiting to us um, in the way that the underground garden in this guy's basement does because it's that's the first step you know when you first plant a plant and it's maybe in those little trays so that you can tend it more and guard it and keep it away from the elements but eventually it needs to go outside usually most people don't keep the plants perpetually in their basement of working for this guy but um <laughs> there's stages of where things need more protection and more guarding but then it has to shift and change in order for true flourishing to happen. And you don't care for a plant the same way all steps of its life. There's different things you need to do at different points in its life, just like you do with children. You, I don't still make my 15-year-old hold my hand in a parking lot because that would not promote flourishing for him and would make him hate me. Right. Um, Nothing would flourish in that environment. No. and But what was appropriate for for his flourishing at three or four years old is it now has to grow and shift. So for me to shamar my son, I have to grow and change in the way that I shamar him as he grows and changes. Right. Yeah, your guarding is trusting more, it's giving opportunity to fail. It's pushing him to try new things. Right. Um, hmm. And pro- appropriately, hopefully. Sure. You know. Oh, that's, yeah. And that's all mirrored in this story. Yeah. In this movement from from Egypt to, to the land promised, to, to Canaan, to the land yeah. flowing with milk and honey. Well, and I even thought when they're at Sinai, they're pretty protected, right? They've been removed from the narrowness of Egypt. But they haven't faced any enemies. They haven't faced any threats. They haven't, like, except for themselves. But they've been protected in this little, like, somewhat of a bubble. And now they're about to go, they're about to leave this bubble and go out into the real world because they've they've been tended like a little seed so the shoot can come up. But now as the plant is growing, as they are growing and getting um, better understanding it's now time for them to move out into the world to be that blessing that that was promised through Abraham all along, all those many years ago. Right. I was the, this backtracks just a, a, a tidge, but I was thinking about like we have these plants in our house that are big, and 
as my wife makes the rounds in the morning and like tends the the green life i'll watch her walk up to these large plants and she shakes them do you know about this no i'm like what do you actually no i do i have heard this before okay, i'm just what, not at gardener what do you what have you it makes them stronger right right okay it strengthens their roots and like they they dig it and it's you look at it and you're like are you trying to kill them like <laughs> are you trying and suddenly again it's like oh did you bring us out here to die i i know we're we're pulling in, you know, moments from the text that we haven't talked about, but there's all these moments in which this, this the the garden metaphor, the mm-hmm. the plant, the 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 guard, the shamar, the work, the like this blessing that comes upon you, it is it it requires relationship and trust to step in to live into. Like, yeah. okay, when you're talking about with your son, you know, like. He has to trust you. Yeah. Um, you have to trust him. If there's no trust, uh, you know, he's, uh, do you remember the, the, the skit from, it was either Mad TV or, or Saturday Night Live in Biblical Barry? <laughs> no, I don't remember that. Umbilical Barry's umbilical cord was never cut. Yeah. And so when Umbilical Barry was in college and went to parties, mom knew when Umbilical Barry had beer. <laughs> And, you know, you'd get all these weird interactions where, like, a girl would come talk to Barry, and it's like, man. Yeah. Got it. And it's funny because some kids, um, I don't want to use the word leash, so to speak, but, like, some kids, even as they're teenagers, need, they need you to kind of hold them from going too crazy and out into the world. And other kids need a little bit of a shove out of the nest um, because they are their personalities are more timid or uh, more cautious. And my son happens to be one of the more cautious ones. So he's uh, at times for certain things needs a little more, he needs a little more encouragement and pushing that. No, you, I actually believe you are ready for this thing and you need to go out and you need to try this. And I'm always a safe place for you to land, but like, let's do this together. And then you do this alone. Like you need to get, you need to start moving out um, and getting more comfortable with certain things because he is now three years away from graduation. And so, um, yeah. Whereas my daughter's a little more of the, Whoa. let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so she were, they were, shamaring them requires a lot of the same things and very different things at the same time. So if we pull this back to number six, yeah. what we're talking about here, by by all the ways we've pushed and pulled the, the the word and the idea of blessing, the word and the idea of shamar, of um, of keeping, of guarding, right? We've got blessing being this vulnerability, we've got it being this entrusting of this responsibility. There's a sense of a purpose that's tied to blessing and, you know, shamaring and guarding. You have this notion that it's for life. It's for fruitfulness. Um, it's about the future. It's, it's, uh, but it's different for every one or it shifts in the various moments.
someone asked me a couple weeks ago if I thought that if the children, the sons and the daughters of Israel, those, the mixed multitude that leaves, that finally gets, when they finally get to Canaan, when Joshua finally, they cross over the Jordan and they, they enter in. If they didn't want to cross over, would God have still provided them with, you got this look on your face. What do you think? Would, he, would God still have provided it's a great question because we actually have an example of that. Okay. Well, back in um, in Numbers 14 and 15, they have a chance to go in and they're not ready. And they're not ready. Right. They don't trust. They, they're too scared to go in. And thus, they have to wait 40 years because they need, they need more time. That's a great answer. That was a better answer than the one I gave. Really? <laughs> well, I said no. But me, I mean, maybe he would have said no. This time you have to go in. I like that's why I'm saying I don't know. Right. There's two different ways in which you say you're not ready. Yeah. There's the way you say you're not ready and you're right. Yeah. You're not. And so we're gonna do this thing until we work. I think of them as forty years of healing. I think of these as a generation that was completely just devastated by life in Egypt, Mm -hmm. and there was no way, there was no way for them to, there was only three of them, right? There were three of them, and actually really only two of them, who, Joshua and Caleb, Moses doesn't even enter, and I think that's a little different, you know, it's about passing, but Moses not entering is about about the sacred future, less less than Moses isn't ready, Mm -hmm. right? And Moses lives this full life. Moses has not been ripped off by not getting to enter the promised land. Moses, this is like Psalm 90, 91, 95, you've been our dwelling place for generations, right? Like God has been Moses' dwelling place. Moses met God. Moses is not lost here. So Joshua and Caleb are the only two from that original generation that are actually ready. And they're ready to go right away, right? They're your daughter. They're like, let's go. Yeah. Uh, but but it's God's mercy, God's healing that allows the generation to to, to wander and provide for them for mm-hmm. forty years. But when they get finally to the river, I can't imagine some people being like, "I don't." Well, what? I got a farm. <laughs> like I'm not ready. Yeah, you are. You yeah. are ready. Yes, you are. Right? I mean, kids and driving. Some yeah. kids are like, "Let's go," and some of them are like, "I don't want to do this." It's like, yes, you do. You really do. Trust. Trust me. Right. Or I think back to Psalm 131, the weaning, right? You've got the, oh, Lord, my heart is not proud. I do not think on things too great or marvelous for me or matters too difficult, but I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child. And there's this way in which if we've never weaned ourselves, if we've never moved on from, I think it's the author of Hebrews, right? From like milk to solid food, we have to be people that are moving, continually moving forward, or else something, we, we, we yeah. don't grow. Yeah. I um, in Many years ago, probably near 20 years ago at this point, um, Dave Johnson from Church of the Open Door here in Maple Grove, we, the, the church was moving from being like in not a permanent building. It had been moving from location to location been in schools and things like that, and they had built their own building. And one of the things that Dave Johnson, the head pastor at that time, kept saying was, there comes a time where you have to grow up or die. And he was referring to the, like, 
the church, like that specific church, that you can't stay in this infancy forever. And the, the church wasn't a brand new church, but it there had been a time where it made sense for them to be wandering, kind of like the Egyptians, wandering from place to place, and it was now time to settle. Right. And that was going to require different things of the church community than they had had before, because now they were going to have the responsibility of a building. They were going to have a mortgage that, that they needed to pay the bill for instead of just a rent. Like Things changed, and as a church, they were needing to grow up. And there was this whole series that Dave did on the growing up, that it was now time for the, this was the new stage we were in, and that's how it is for children, that's how it is for, um, for the Israelites in this moment, that it's time to grow up. Right. Um, and, it, you know, we are seeing this, God's given them a chance to see if they're ready here in numbers, and they're not. Many chapters later, when they actually enter, it's that grow up or die moment that right. you. It, this is time because we can't. You can't keep living this infant life in the wilderness. You have to move into right. this responsibility that I've been preparing you for for the last forty years. Right. And this priestly blessing is a thing that goes along with that the whole time. That you are capable of doing this because I have blessed you in this way that I'm putting upon you in number six. And it's time for you to then bless the world with the same blessing that I've blessed you. Right back to Exodus 19, you're a nation of priests. Yes. And so, spoiler alert, um, them being ready does not mean they get it right, right. in every way, shape, or form. Right. In fact, what it is is they're just moving on to a new scenario of uh, mistakes are the, is maybe not the right way to say it, but they're it's it's just a new place to grow. Right. There's new challenges that are going to move them to the next right. and to the next. Yeah. In the but, same way that just because we grow up at 18, 19, around that age and move out of our homes, we are not perfect adults. Sure. We are never fully formed. Right. We, I mean, fu- the fully formation comes through well, through death. Yeah. Um, and, and, de- and in all of the ways, like the actual... Death, but the, also the ways in which we die to ourselves. That's how we become fully, yeah. fully formed in in Christ. Yeah. Okay. Seems this like was, a great place to yeah wrap it up. Yeah. Um. I think that's that. Okay. Thanks for joining us today and listening to us ramble about uh, the priestly blessing and what it means to be blessed and to keep. Next week, we're going to look at the next chunk of it, right? So we've looked at verse 24 today, the Lord bless you and keep you. And so next week, we'll consider what it means um, for the Lord to make his face shine on us and be gracious to us. Yes. Right? Yeah. And if you want to um, engage with us at all at this point, you can head over to crossingover.substack.com and you can you can comment on these and we can engage in some way, shape, or form if that's yeah. of any interest to you. So, yeah. If you like this podcast, rate us. Sure. Helps, yeah. uh, helps more people who are interested in this material find us. And, yeah. yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>